right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. How do you how do your waveforms look? Uh, let's see. It looks not bad, not bad. As long as I talk loud enough, it's fine. Yeah, I think. yeah. Although I don't know why this spring is being so clumsy. No idea. I feel like what was I feel like it was happening with mine too. And is it supposed to happen or not? That's what I wanted. What's the spring even for? Well, it's to extend, you know, like the two, because this is like two arms basically connected. Yeah. But this is weird because like there's no knob to tighten the spring up. Yeah. Right. It's just there, but this one has a spring. Right. Mm. Okay. Should we start? Okay. Yeah, it's very clear. Okay. <laughs> There's oh, well, a spike. Oh, we started. All right. <laughs> and no one knows what we just spoke about, but that's okay. Okay. All right. Welcome, Abrar. This is our first ever podcast. Yes. It How are you feeling? Four meetings to get here, I think. But whatever. We're finally here. So. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of back and forth that happened. But yeah, how are you feeling for the first one? Pretty relaxed, actually. I have That's my good. tea in front of me and, and I'm in this camping chair. So are you. <laughs> So yeah, that's good. Yeah, no. If 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 the listeners saw our setup, they they'd actually laugh. We have so the way we've set it up is, we're in our basement and we didn't have any chairs. So what we did was I went into the storage room of the basement and I saw two camping chairs, the ones that like, you know, that the extend folding the folding yeah. ones. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Nobody's looking at us, so they just put this up. Well, and I was just sitting in two camping chairs. Even if someone was, what right do they have to judge us for getting comfortable? Right, like. Yeah, I've seen like uh, videos where like people like do like phone interviews or something, mm. or like they they do interviews where like their the upper half of their body is being recorded, and then the lower half they're like wearing shorts or something. And oh, the upper I've half seen they're wearing, those. Like, a suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's funny, actually but... a lot of they do that in in film too. Oh, really? What they do is uh, they'll they'll give you something to wear on top. Yeah. And then because only that part of you is in frame. Oh, okay. The yeah. So only that part of you is in frame. So that's all like the viewers see, right? Right. But then. Under, like, at the bottom, their leggings would be, like, jeans or something. Yeah, you know? it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's so it's so fabricated when you think about it. It's very funny, but it's also, like, like why not? It's just practical. Yeah, Okay. it's practical. But, yeah, that, that brings me to, like, how fabricated certain, like, media is, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everything's so tightly controlled and, yeah. like, very tightly, like, manufactured, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, movies, TV, just anything, really. Yeah, exactly. Are you talking mostly about the like the actual like production aspect of it, or like the even the? I think I think it? across the entire spectrum. Okay. So not only when you're like, let's use like the cinema as an example, like cinematography. Yeah. So the thing is, when when you're filming it, you only have certain spots in frame, and then you have all these light sources, these light stands, to make sure that you get the best frame. And right. then once you go to the post processing, there's a lot that you know you obviously take out in between, and there's a lot of color grading. Color grading is basically correcting the colors of the frame. Okay. So what you're recording, basically, making sure the lighting is consistent and the colors that you see are consistent. Yeah, right. like all that sort of manufacturing, editing, you know, just uh, is just involved in. in yeah, uh, I I haven't production. thought about that that much because to me it's just like okay, someone comes with a camera, someone comes with a boom, and then you know they just <laughs> like video and just record it and yeah. And for for me, okay, I yeah. Well, you know probably more about like the production aspect than i do because like i don't know like you've done some photography stuff like that right but, like when i think of like the manufacturedness i think more of the actual like content not just for like things involving like real actors but also like mm. animated stuff like anime or whatever it's like you know how like there's always that character who always manages to see that cool line like right when they need to yes and stuff. yes 
right? And it's like no one does that in real life, or no one can, right? Like it's <laughs> but it's just... it's dramatized, right? Yeah. Like you have these lines that that are set at the exact right moment. Yeah. Just to like amplify the emotion or like the setting or you know what's being done in in the scene. Yeah, and also like even things like you know like uh for example people don't burp and like you know like like just all the things that actually happen in real life yeah like people don't say oh what did you say i didn't hear you or you know like everyone's just i don't know it's like <laughs> I, I i feel like it has to be that way because like no one would watch something what would it be like to make a show that was super realistic you know like the literal like like almost fly on the wall kind of so there are reality shows you know they try to be as real as possible yeah but even then there's like a production act uh, aspect to that right yeah I think you can never be like completely real, right? Because then there's like, there's no interest. Like people yeah. are not going to watch it, probably. Most likely. Unless you, it would be interesting if like, this is probably illegal, but like, you know, if you like secretly recorded someone <laughs> as they go about their lives. It's an interesting person, obviously. But, yeah. Like... <laughs> Did you watch, were you there back in high school when you watched The Truman Show? I don't know if you remember. The Truman Show? There's that there's that Truman movie Show. called The Truman Show. It's about oh, okay, it's about okay. so the whole movie is like really meta. The yeah, character, oh, I think I heard of this. Yeah, Hold on. yeah, tell me. Yeah, about. so the character is actually being recorded in this yeah, set. Right. So the movie is takes place in a set. The entire okay. sort of town is a set. And yeah. The character is unaware that he's being like recorded and filmed his whole life. Everybody oh, okay. in his life is like an actor. Yeah. And it's such a strange. It's such a so, cool. Uh, you know, concept. So it's like a movie about a movie. Yeah. But the like the inner movie, like the movie in their universe. Um, the person who's being recorded doesn't know they're being recorded until the very end, obviously. Okay. And the people they interact with. Spoiler are... alerts. It's okay. I'm nobody's probably... nobody's gonna watch this movie. Yeah. Is it old or something? It's like 1990s or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I've watched anything older than uh, I don't know. Does Finding Nemo count? Does Lion King count? And then I've watched. Those are not even old. What? They're like they're two thousands. No. That's old. That's really yeah, old, but right? like on the scale Actually, of like 1990s yeah. and 80s, you Fair know. Enough, I don't think I've really watched movies that were made before I was born that mm. much. I don't even watch movies that much at all. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, already getting off topic. We're getting way off. There's topic. no topic, or That's is true. there? No, there is a topic. What was the topic? So the topic was um sort of about hobbies and interests. Oh yeah. I guess this one. sort of fits in because I guess um photography and the creative arts is an interest. But yeah, this is the first episode and we're already off topic. That's okay. Called unfocused for reason. Actually, it wasn't called... All right, Abrar, explain why sorry, we called it. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were going to tell me. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, I feel like we veered from that original like idea a little bit, but initially it was like, because we were thinking of, you know, when you think of various whatever stuff you come across in life, right? Most of the time you're just living life. This is kind of about taking a step back and actually like analyzing things from above, right? So like the topic for this week, hobbies, right? Everyone has hobbies that they do, but you don't think about hobbies as a topic that much. You might think of an individual hobby that you have, but I'm, we want to like discuss it. We, we just want to talk about the concept itself, right? Well, so, more particularly, yeah. you want to talk about how hobbies evolve or just like the concept of hobbies evolves as you get older, right? Because right? so when you're like in your teens, it, it probably differs among people, obviously, but generally when you're in your teens, you'll probably have a lot of hobbies and stuff that you want to do. Yeah. Or, um, you know, like a set of hobbies like maybe some sort of sports, maybe uh, some music, like piano lessons, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, those come under the umbrella of hobbies. What I noticed is as I got older, like when I got into university, first, second, third year, yeah. I sort of let go of a lot of hobbies. 
that I wish I didn't let go of. Right. So one thing is is sports, for example. There was yeah. uh, I used to play soccer quite a lot, as you remember, yes. back in high school. Yeah, I remember. I used to play. That was your phase for soccer. Yeah. You didn't even play that much before then, did you? I, or like... I started playing a lot in like grade nine. And then yeah, I grade 10, grade 11 is when it peaked. I played recreational with the West Ottawa Soccer Club. Yeah. It wasn't pro league or anything, obviously, but it was, you know, it was sort of like a hobby in itself. I was just playing with the team. Yeah. But that was when it sort of peaked. And then grade 12, I still played it, but I didn't play with uh, West Ottawa. I just played, okay. you know, here and there. And then first year uni and second year uni, I just completely stopped. Yeah. And I wish I didn't, in a way. Do you still play sometimes now, right? Or is it just not like... It's been a while. Okay. I, I played in the summer here and there, but it, was, it wasn't consistent. Yeah. So for me, well, with sports, it's interesting because I still do. In fact, I play ping pong more now than I do than I did before. And that's like the only sport that I ever ping seriously. Pong? Yeah, ping pong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only sport I ever seriously played. But still like like a basement kind of hobby. Just still a hobby, I think. Uh, but the, the example. Yeah, you, you, and, you and your brother are fiends. Yeah. Well, him a bit more than me, but no, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> but the hobby I would probably mention like that's kind of like the analog for yours yeah is well, i was telling you about this before but we're, i'll say it again for our viewers um like just tinkering with gadgets uh n not gadgets like like actual technology but things like like from from as early as i can remember like grade two or something like you know uh unscrewing a toy or something taking the parts out mm -hmm. playing around mm -hmm. with them the speakers the batteries the led lights the, all that kind of stuff and then just doing like little experiment right like i have hold on a second like even now i have this box has just a bunch of random little trinkets in there and even some chemicals okay <laughs> which <laughs> some which i got from other places some which i made myself and the point is okay. i used to do this a lot like let's say like elementary middle school high school and then once i started uni it just stopped kind of it might have start, stopped a bit before that but i i want to figure out why why did we stop? Yes. that's sort of like the question right yeah or one of the questions yeah that that's like that's the golden question almost um yeah i guess there's an aspect of uh, of getting busier with life right yeah because you open you open up to a lot of realities right i call it that a yeah. lot of responsibilities that yeah. you're not really that you don't really encounter or face while you're in high school yeah definitely so that that's probably a really big factor in uh, drawing you away from some of your hobbies yeah um i don't know like even then there are, there are people obviously like that manage both at the same time right yeah it's definitely doable yeah yeah i mean we're trying to do it right now kind of right like with this yeah, podcast so this, exactly so just just as abrar had uh like a sort of interest in tinkering with like gadgets and stuff i i sort of had the same sort of interest back in high school and in, like middle school and such um but i had uh, a stronger sort of interest in sort of like the creative stuff yeah kind of like videos to some extent photography although that now that's a lot more yeah. right but like back in back in high school there's the creative stuff like filming photos and just like you know working on creative stuff right yeah yeah i remember like for your like some of your high school projects or something yeah you, <laughs> you, you what was it like you do like a not like a play but somehow you act something out in minecraft and then like you record that so and there like... were there were a few things there was uh we, we would have like powerpoint presentations that would yeah. have to present to the class and everybody would make powerpoints almost yeah. every every group but i didn't like that right you know I remember. You, you made the videos yes so the first time we did it we actually recorded a video you know with with a proper camera or, yeah you know a semi-proper camera um we did do one like where we used minecraft yes yeah I we remember. used minecraft <laughs> we used one person as the recorder and everybody else as an actor it was super cringy now looking back at it but 
you know, it was it was fun, you know. Yeah, a lot yeah, of memories definitely. were made through that. Um, and then most of my other sort of projects in high school were videos, like yeah. pro- like re- camera recorded videos. Right. Yeah. And you stopped doing most of that kind of stuff. Like you, you take pictures now, but you don't ever really I make take, videos. Okay, or... I take photos every now and then. Yeah. Um, and I won't think about them much until I I go back. I I open my phone. And I go back, and then I just find a photo, and I'll just start editing it. And then yeah. if I think it looks nice, I'll post it on like Instagram or whatever. But what about you? So what was the the trajectory you saw in your hobbies? Like when did it start sort of slowing down? When did you you know sort of draw yourself away from all these other activities you used to do? I think, okay. So like I said, the the only one that really comes to mind that I drew away from was that tinkering one. Uh, I'm, now I'm trying to think what other hobbies I even had, but. Whatever, let's go with that one. I don't know exactly when I slowed down on it, but I think it was maybe sometime in high school. There's, I feel like there's a slowdown. It's not the kind of thing I do consistently, you know, maybe like once every few weeks or even sometimes once every few months. I just like have a day when I just play around and stuff. But then after a certain point, it almost completely just came to a halt. And I think there's a few factors. One was obviously like, you know, university being more busy stuff like that another was kind of this sense of like oh um that hobby is kind of childish or something like that do you get what i'm saying like i feel like oh now i've grown up i should just do stuff that's important or that i need to do stuff that's useful to be honest part of that comes from my dad <laughs> He's mm. always like, hey you're, you're not gonna be a chemist or a physicist or something why are you doing these things and i'm like yeah there's definitely fun. that factor <laughs> it's like i feel like i've told myself the only fun that i can have is watching like stuff on my phone or you know like just passive things like it feels like anything else is too much of a time commitment oh okay that's a big thing like time commitment time commitment right yes i feel like when i was in high school i didn't think of high school as my full-time job you know it was like you go there for the block of time they are you do your homework but you you feel like you have loads of time at home Mm mm-hmm free to do whatever you want basically you feel yes. like a free person in some sense this this varies depending on like <laughs> and of course when you get to university it feels like it's a full-time commitment right yeah because no longer is it one consistent block of like nine to three nine a.m to three p.m right now you can have classes that are later in the day and like spread out right so it feels yeah. much more of like something that's taking over your entire day right to yeah. some extent like even though the time is less in total like in terms of classes and Labs and stuff. It definitely yeah. is. That's the that's the it's like so paradoxical because you have less time spent for each yeah. class, but and like for some reason it takes up so much more of your peripheral time. The way it spreads out and stuff, and like and even you know like homework, all that, it just feels like oh, like that entire period is just blocked off and you can't do anything else. But you can, like we are right now. And okay, yeah, can, this can podcast I... started off. You know, because we want to take back our the stuff we used to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like, you know, when I'm trying to justify it to myself in my mind, because, okay, you're the one who started it, right? Like, you're the one who came up with the idea and mm-hmm. approached me and said, do you want to do a podcast? For me, it was like, I don't remember exactly when or why I agreed to it. I think it's mostly because I thought, oh, you know, it'll be fun and stuff. But now it's also like, sometimes I, sometimes like they just, these thoughts in my mind like oh is it really worth it to do and oh you're too busy you're making a time commitment and stuff each week you're gonna spend this many hours working on that thing yeah and you know you're not gonna have time for it and you're not gonna have time for your other stuff which is probably completely false because i spend way more time doing useless stuff frankly exactly (laughs) and you it's nice that you mentioned this because i want to talk about why is it that things like this are seen as taking up time and like like in the way and stuff or yeah in the way right so you know what I mean? Because certain things, although it may seem uh, 
so what you said was like for example your dad uh you said how your dad might have been a factor like your parents yes it is for everybody right because like they'll say you know why are you spending your time doing this you could be doing that right yeah but i think that i think that you know doing things that interest you yeah can really help you out in many areas of your life yeah definitely right so you know obviously doing like career, like going to the career you like and stuff like that is going to help you yeah but just all these other like interests that you have yeah as you practice them more it sort of opens up the world more to you yes right so you know for example podcasting when i was when i told you about it i had no idea it would take so long to set up this podcast. Yeah. We, right? When did we start talking about it? Like in November or something? <laughs> All the way back in November, Reason. right? That's when I brought it up and that's when you were like sort of on board. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we were like, okay, it's just going to be like a mic, one mic. And, you know, it, it, we're just going to sit down in our room and just record it and then like do some really minor editing. Yeah. You know, and then just put it out there. Yeah. It was. And then it turned into this whole thing where like we realized yo there's there's like you have to know how audio works yeah for this right and that's that's the thing i'm trying to get to which is uh, starting things like this or anything that it might be whether it's a podcast whether it's like working on some sort of uh, maybe like you know like interior design or yeah, anything yeah. right any interest right there's gonna be so much peripheral knowledge that you're gonna gain from it yeah just by trying attempting to work on something like this right because i feel like you know if you think of uh like, let's say, I don't listen to podcasts much, but maybe there's like right. one I listen to. And when I listen to it, I'm just thinking about the content for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. And like all aspects of the content itself, like, oh, what they're actually talking about, how the interviewer is asking questions. So like when I think of uh, like what makes it good, I think of, oh, the interviewer asked good questions. Or like, oh, the I like that response the person gave. But what I'm not thinking about or like barely thinking about is the actual like the production aspect. You know, and like, the audio quality. Yeah, because you don't Unless see it. Unless it's horrendous, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where if something works well, then there's like no questions asked or something. or like, And when it's working badly, that's when you notice something. Right? It's something that yeah. you, like good audio quality or like good production is something you take for granted. And so like when you see it happen, it, it, it almost looks like it's easy. Yeah. Right? Because everyone's doing it. So you think, oh, it, it must be easy. Right? Yeah. But there's so much work that goes into it behind the scenes. And there's actually a quote, which is, it goes like good design is when you can't tell all the intricacies right that go yeah. into the, like the design and the production yeah it becomes kind of like invisible just like become it, it becomes seamless yeah right? it's seamless that's the, exactly. <laughs> that's the exact word for it right <laughs> exactly yeah so wait, how do we tie this back to hobbies um you're talking about how we how by doing certain hobbies you like learn a lot of peripheral knowledge that yeah. you wouldn't have learned otherwise yeah exactly and it goes with everything it goes with you know audio how like how just by starting this podcast, we learned so much about what goes into making sure, you know, audio sounds good. Yeah. Right. And same thing goes with the photography, right? Yeah. Uh, just like you said, a lot of the production is sort of taken for granted as long as a photo looks decent. Right. Right. But when you're like taking a photo, like when you have a camera on you, there's so many settings that you have to like make sure yeah. work together. <laughs> all those buttons and dials. All those buttons like, and dials. I have no idea. And about. then not only that. After taking the photo, there's and when you when you go to like Lightroom or any editing software, there's a lot that you can do and a lot that there's a lot of options, right? Right. That you have to calibrate in order to like you know make the photo what you want. Yeah. Right? And just by just by exploring these areas, you can learn so much about you know just like the world in general. You know, yeah, all these yeah. like even for example, going back to audio, you can learn about like the physics of how sound sort of you know works and stuff. Yeah, even something that you know like I learned what a cardioid mic is right 
<laughs> yeah, you, you learn what a cardio <laughs> mic is. This is a cardio mic. Or even things like, like we were like looking at our uh, recording software and we saw like negative decibels and it's like, what the heck? Decibels yeah. can be negative. And so, you know, there's all these like little things. It's truly really cool. And another thing I want to mention, which is kind of like another aspect of some of these hobbies is like the creative aspect itself, you know, um, where it's so different from something like schoolwork where you're given an assignment and you have some bullets you have to hit, just some, you know, some criteria that you have to satisfy. And well, it varies from subject to subject maybe, right? But for the most part, it's pretty formulaic. Even if you're writing an essay, it's pretty like you're just writing something on a Word doc and that's it, right? But then with these, with something like a podcast, with something like, like making a YouTube channel, there's just so much so many aspects to think about so many places where you can like make it your own in some sense or like even with photography for example right no one is telling you how to make it look how to make your picture look right mm-hmm. but you kind of have to figure that out yourself and stuff and also like for some kind of kinds of media it's like you have to be original if that makes sense yeah like if you just follow what everyone else does then it's not something new it's not something people would want to see so you have to like you're forced mm-hmm. to like reckon with that and i feel like that's also what makes it difficult but rewarding in some sense more than more than something like homework could ever be right <laughs> yeah there's only example. you can never you know there's there's a there's a there's a ceiling to you know how much you learn from you know regular classwork and stuff right yeah it's well it's really like obviously like classes stuff like that is important for your career or professional life stuff like that but these soft skills are, I don't think soft is even the right word here because soft makes them sound soft. They're not, that's not the right word. It's more like non, non-academic skill. I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think that's the right word. It's literally just any skill that's not academic. Academic. Which is, yeah. there's so many of them and they're not soft in any sense because one, they're important. Two, they could be hard. <laughs> like, you know, like they're, they're very valuable. They're, they're what kind of makes you, you in some sense. Exactly. They, they're yeah. what makes you more well-rounded. It's what makes you one well, well, well well-rounded yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah and i think you should it's it's uh important it's actually crucial i'd say yeah to not let go of these interests they might have yeah because what i see is a lot of people what they do is uh what their sort of mindset is that okay i'll i'll go to university for four years you know and then i'll probably do some professional school or you know do something afterwards right as once i finish university that's when i'll have time for this right yeah or like these interests and stuff that I have. But then once you finish university, you, you're either going to like some other school, right? Into yeah. like higher, edu- even higher education, like a master's or some, you know, med school or whatever. Right. So then you get busy with that. And then you're like, okay, once I finish med school, then I'm going to be happy and I'm going to have like all this time to do this stuff. But the thing is, that's never going to happen in life. You're always going to have these responsibilities and obligations right. that you have to, like, you know, um, to have, you have to take care of. So I think, I think that you should really just, let uh, these interests sort of grow and like work on them in right. parallel to what you're doing academically. Yeah, I feel like you have to kind of because it's one of those things where the best time to do it is now because you're you're not going to have that like completely free time that you're waiting for or that you're looking for, right? It's not going to come. Yeah, you make you actually you make free time for this stuff, right? So I read somewhere that uh, well, it's kind of like a saying which is that time expands to how much, well, work expands to how much time you give it. Right. Right? So if you give all your time to university, university is going to take up all your time to get through it. If you give up, if you give, you know, like five hours to finish some work, it's going to take five hours at least to finish it. Yeah. Right? But if you break down your day and sort of balance it out, 
with yeah. other things that you have like you know it could be family time it could be going out and you know uh exploring uh, you know i guess you know going doing different things yeah once you you know break down your time you realize that it actually doesn't take that much time to finish a task right, right. it really yeah it's i think there's like sometimes you get into this like one track mindset where like okay there's this one main thing i'm doing right now and that's what i have to put all my effort behind that's what i have to put all my time behind anything else that's like eating up time from that is a threat that needs to be eliminated from my schedule but like i okay like for example um let's say if i have to work on homework or something i have a lot of homework to do then what's going to happen is i'm going to start working on it at some point i'm going to say okay i'm getting bored of this i'm going to like you know procrastinate the usual way, go on YouTube, whatever, that kind of thing. And then at some point while I'm doing that, I'm going to be like, oh my God, it's actually boring. I, I get bored of the internet sometimes, okay? And I think that's a good thing that I'm trying to do more of. <laughs> and, but then I'll say, okay, I'd rather do something that's interesting that I actually want to do. That's not homework. <laughs> but then I say, wait, but if I have time to do that, I have time to do homework. I don't want to do homework. So then I keep procrastinating. But my point is like, you can, you have to, like, it's this third category which is stuff that's not stuff you have to do immediately or maybe not ever, like for hobbies, but that you still want to do at some point, right? Like these indefinite kind of uh, things where you have to you have to force yourself to make time for them. Yes. In your schedule. Because the other two categories, like things that you have to do right now, you'll do them. And things that, like, you know, just basic procrastinating. Yeah, you, you don't have to try to procrastinate. That's going to happen. But things where you actually need to put some time and effort behind it, and that you actually want to do, you really have to set aside the time for that properly, or else it's just going to get eaten up. Yeah. Do you have that experience too? Like, you know what I described about uh, not thinking you can do something that you want to do because you have more important stuff to do, and yeah, even that, though you that, have the that, time. That happens a lot with me, especially because, uh, so with me, the nature of like, you know, my program and everything is that I'm trying to, you know, you know later on uh, study medicine or some other professional school. Yeah. So, Part of me is always like, you have to make sure every second of your day is set for you to like, it's used in a way that will push you further towards like, you know, this professional school. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's what I, that's what I had. That's what happened a lot in first and second year specifically. Right. And uh, it's ironically, those two years was when I was really unproductive with a lot of things. Right. Okay. Even though yeah. I had this mindset of the moment I wake up. <laughs> I have to do stuff that's gonna, you know, pay off um, oh two years later, yeah. right? Even though I had that mindset, ironically, those two years, I'd say is like are like the most unproductive years I've had yeah. since like middle school or something, right? Yeah. But in third year, like this year right now, yeah, I sort of had this shift in mindset, which okay. was that okay, you have to stop worrying about, you know whether doing something is going to, you know, help you get into such and such school or get, get into such and such program, right? Because right. if you keep on worrying about that, and if you keep on sort of thinking, oh, um, is a school going to like that I did such and such? Like, what's the school going to want to see in me, right? Right. If I keep on thinking about that, well, then, then I'm going to be like everybody, every other applicant, right? Yeah. But if I sort of let that whole mindset go. Like, be a real person. Yeah, just of. be a real person. Like, just yeah. pursue things that, you know, make you who you are, you know, as cliche yeah. and cheesy as it sounds, right? Yeah, no, but really, like, otherwise you feel like you're just another, like, you know, like some cookie cutter template human being. Yeah, some template pre-med applicant. 
Yeah. Like it's literally just, you know, you take one application, you change some words yeah. around and you get another one. Exactly. You don't want it to there's, be there's like There's nothing that. unique about it. There's nothing compelling about that. Right. And not just for the application itself, but just for your own life kind of too, right? Like you, you, it, it's, I feel like it's very valuable to do things where it's only you, it's, you're only doing it because you want to and not for any other purpose, if that makes sense. Like not just like, yeah, you can, let's say you do something like you volunteer somewhere and then later on you like put that on an application for a scholarship. Fine. But if you're doing it just because, oh, like I need my volunteer hours or like I need to apply to the scholarship, let me do some volunteering, you know, something like that then it feels like it defeats the purpose a bit. I'm not just talking about like the moral sense, but even just for you, like you don't feel like everything is just an obligation. It turns into a chore, you know, it turns yeah, into yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you immediately by labeling it as something that's that you're doing to like as a means to an end. Yeah. The moment you label it as that, you automatically throw it into this category of, oh, now I have to allocate time for this, even though I don't want to. Right. Right. But if you have things that you actually do out of, you know, not as a means to an end, but as the end itself, then, you know, it, it feels less like a responsibility and feels yes. more like, you know, something that you actually want to do and something that, like, the drive just, you know, starts there, you know? Yeah. You have this internal drive to do it. Even if the, like, the, the core of the, the activity is the same either way, just the mindset that you have when you're approaching it can change it a lot, right? And, like, one analogy you have for this sort of, not really analogy, but whatever, it's like, have, has this ever happened where, like, someone you, let's say, if someone you like recommends, like, someone you like, like, a friend or something, uh, recommend something to you like oh watch this or whatever even if you don't like it that much you'll kind of like because they're your friend you'll kind of unconsciously tell yourself like oh yeah if they like it i should like it too or it's like if someone you dislike this happened to me clearly once i was a lot younger but whatever uh like someone was a bit annoying <laughs> frankly and then like they recommended something to me they recommended asdf movies to me okay oh my god and I watched it. I, I completely like, forgot that thing existed. <laughs> that existed. Yeah, it was like years ago. I don't know. If, I don't know if the listeners. Well, I don't know if the one or two listeners listening to this know what the ASDF movie is. No, they should. It's a classic. How how younger are listeners if they don't know what ASDF movie is? Give a brief um, explanation of what it is. Yeah. Well, wait. Oh, you. It, it's a web it? cartoon, basically. Whatever. It's yeah, a comic. It's, some... it's like a, a YouTube comic series. Let's leave yeah. it at that. Sure. And they can they can yeah. watch the videos if they want to at their own uh, discretion. At their own expense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I, I remember watching them and thinking, oh, these aren't even that good. But then later on, I thought about it and I was like, the only reason I thought that really was because uh, that person recommended it to me and I found him kind of annoying, right? So I like, kind of projected that feeling onto the actual material. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm using this as an analogy for like the way you think about a task, like kind of colors how you actually feel when you're doing it. So if you think of it as a chore, then like you, you'll pick up on the negative aspects a lot more or like you know whenever things get a bit hard you're gonna be like oh, i didn't even want to do this and then like even when things are a bit positive you'll bear them but you'll be like yeah it's all right and you like brush them right, off whereas like right. when you're doing something as a hobby like you'll see the difficult parts more just as some kind of challenge you have to overcome and when you do you feel good about it and then the enjoyable parts you'll really actually like value them and stuff yeah and like when you look back on it like you'll be like yes i enjoyed that exactly activity right so that that framing is very important i think do, do you do you view your research as a chore or as an as something interesting so which research so uh, i'll just give a quick explanation of what i'm talking about um Abrar is working on some research um and he's been procrastinating on it oh my God. for months and yes. every time i ask him how his research is doing he's like yeah, I haven't done much. It's it's nearing the end, and then you, you keep on saying it's nearing the end. Like yeah, you've been saying that for the past few months. 
I know, I know. And it's because I've been uh, procrastinating on it a lot. But I hope my prof doesn't hear this. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he won't hear this. Anyways. But yeah, that I definitely see more as a chore. And, well, okay, like, there's different aspects of... I think this is another thing I want to talk about. Like, how do you make work fun? Or how do you, like, you know, how do you enjoy your career? Things like that. Because I want to do research and stuff when I'm actually... Like, for my career, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing you have to realize is there's a lot of different aspects to, well, certainly research, but anything for that matter, really recording a podcast, whatever, but research is no exception. There's like, uh, there's a phase when you're just reading background literature. There's a phase when you're thinking, writing stuff on a blackboard or on paper and just thinking there's a phase when you're writing stuff up a bit more properly. And then there's a phase when you're like, you know, properly like editing stuff, sending it back and forth, you know, all that. So what I realized is that I hate writing it up. I, I love thinking about these things in my mind. You hate the I'm mechanical like, tasks of yes. carrying out what you're thinking, is what you're saying. Yeah. And also, well, it's not just the mechanicalness. It's more about, like, let's say you have to communicate an idea to someone, like right. a research idea, right? These right. are complex things. And then just thinking of how to do it properly and writing that up can be very tedious. Like, either you try to do things really rigorously and formally, and then it becomes extremely dry and hard to follow and just... Like, it would bore someone to death, right? Even, even like, the pure reviewers, they wouldn't want, <laughs> want to review it. Or you try to, like, let's say, write it informally and so that they can actually, like, you know, like, it's uh, more like, oh, like, if something is too tedious to explain, you just kind of, like, wave over it if it's understood that, oh, I don't need to go into all the details. But then you're like, oh, no, if I do this, then maybe my proof isn't thorough or something like that, right? And then, like, just... It's one of those things where, you know, an idea can be so, like, clear in your mind, but when you want to convey it to someone else, it becomes really difficult. That sounds like a topic of its own, like, just communication. But, yeah, yeah. Go- yeah. going back to what I was saying, um, yeah, so there's definitely, definitely different, different, like, phases or aspects to something like research or anything, really. And I'll be frank, some of those phases are enjoyable, some of them suck. And I think, which makes me think of, like, how would someone... But let's let's say overall I still enjoy it or I still want to do it as a profession. Yeah. How do I make myself yeah. like it or how do I? So how do you make yourself like the parts, like the more mechanical aspects of of the overall thing that you actually like? Yes. I think it all comes down to mindset, you know. Okay. Um, so again, like for example, as uh, back in high school. Yeah. I keep on going back to high school, but it's sort of it's a good uh, it's a good ground to like you know take right uh, experience from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, going back to it, all the projects and assignments and stuff that I would have, and all like, for example, math, you'd have to learn something new every class. Yeah. Right? All that stuff didn't actually feel like work to me. Right. Although it it's inherently work. Yeah. Right. Although like doing all these assignments is inherently work and mechanical tasks, for some reason that stuff didn't feel like work to me. Like I actually had some sort of enjoyment. Yeah. It sounds very like nerdy and stuff. But no, actually, okay. I'm had, sure I did too. <laughs> yeah, I actually had some. I got some enjoyment out of just doing that stuff right right so i think it comes down to mindset you know if you think of something as some mechanical housekeeping sort of task yeah it's going to be that and you're going to feel like you're wasting your time while doing it yeah but if you think of something as you know an enjoyable task in and of itself yeah then you're going to like those you're going to like the parts that seem like you know mechanical tasks to everybody else yeah and okay while you were saying that, I was, well, I sort of posed the question to you so that, well, so that one, I would stop ranting and so that two, I'd have some time to like, think. I was listening to what you're saying, don't worry, but like, okay. in the meantime, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, I thought a little bit more about like, well, that research I was doing, but just in like the concepts that I think can be applied in general, whenever you're talking about something like, uh, 
you know, like something that you like overall, but which has some aspects which you don't like as much or things like that. And one is, so one is the, okay, one is fear of failure and fear of having to get things right the first time. So right. I think that's a big stumbling block for me when it comes to things like anything that involves writing something up, honestly. Like even if you think of like essays going back to English class or something, right? Like I'd, I'd think about it like, oh, how should I phrase this? And then instead of writing something, I'd be like, no, don't write something until it's perfect. Because I felt like if I write anything at all and it's less than perfect, I'd be like, ew, this is ugly. I wasted my time writing it. And then have to go back and erase it and like, you know, redo. But honestly, like, I feel like it would save a lot of time if I just wrote a few ideas, like wrote a few draft versions, just and just convince myself that it's okay if you get it wrong the first time. It's okay if whatever you're writing now will be completely scrapped in the final version. Because with these kinds of things, you're going to like, fail if you want to call it that a few times before you succeed yeah right like what was that edison quote the uh i haven't found like i think this is either from the light bulb or just some other invention or just inventions generally uh, but he said something like, i haven't failed 999 times i just found 999 ways that won't succeed or no what was it something like that something like <laughs> that yeah you've definitely heard it right i haven't failed 99 times i found 99 99 thing 99 ways that don't work. Yeah, and he, he framed it in a positive way, clearly. Like, he's saying that's not failure. Obviously, it's not success in the sense that it's not what you set out to do, but it's still, like, you learn something from it. Yeah. Something that they're, will... They're, like, guiding blocks to actually finding the correct way to do something. Exactly. And it's, like, you can you can share that information with other people, even you can say, oh, I tried this way, it didn't work. Not just in the specific sense of, oh, this exact way didn't work, but even, like, from, like, a, I don't know, like, a motivational standpoint, like, oh... You know that great accomplishment I did? Yeah, well, it didn't work the first 90 times or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many good examples. There's can so I, many I, good can examples. Can I mention a few? Yeah, go At ahead. At least that I know. If you know some others, you can mention them too. I feel like this is like a really important kind of a thing for me. Uh, okay, there's, oh, you know, WD-40? That, what's it WD-40. I've heard you know, of like it. That thing you spray, I think we have Oh, yeah, yeah, WD-40. Like, like a lubricant or something like that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is how you know I don't do any housework, but... Anyways, WD-40, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it's the 40, it, it's not just there to sound cool, it's because it's, it was like their 40th formula or something. Think about that really? for a second. 40th. They were just like trying out different stuff. Oh, okay, maybe we'll fact check this later, but I'm, I don't care if it's false. It's a good story, okay? But yeah, like I think they tried it like 40 times and then the 40th one worked and then that's why they called it WD-40. Or I was uh, watching a video the other day about, what's that book? Lord of the Flies, which is actually one when of my favorite books, it? but... Uh, I think grade ten, which I didn't. Oh, okay. Really... Yeah, I think I read it yeah. in. I read that book too back in grade ten. Yeah. So yeah. apparently it was like like when he tried publishing it, uh, William Golding, the author. Yeah. I think like I forget what it's in the video, but something like the first thirty-two publishers or some like big number of publishers. Yeah, just I've heard of the story too. That sounds crazy. Imagine you spend months on something, no idea if it's gonna succeed, and then you try publishing it a bunch of times. Put it this way, like to make it related to us. Yeah. Imagine you applied for, you know, a graduate program to yeah. 40 schools and 40 of them rejected you. Oh my God. I, just I, imagine <laughs> that. Just give up on life at that point. I give up on life after like five failed <laughs> attempts, you know, like I feel like that's kind of, I don't know if it's a personality trait or a cultural thing or like, I feel like it's a lot of, it's a lot of things really. This, this could be its, its own topic, but like coming back to Things that you like overall, but that mm-hmm. there's some aspects that you don't like. Don't be afraid to fail. Same with hobbies. Yeah. You yeah. know, like we had to meet up at least four times. This is our fourth exactly. time meeting. Yeah. And I don't even know how it's going to turn out because uh, right now we haven't like recorded both these mics and like synchronized them together. 
Right. Don't even know if it's going to turn out proper, like, right. And, I'm like, actually a bit nervous about that. Exactly. But... Like, I'm looking down at the waveforms right now, and whenever you talk, I see, like, these small jumps in the waveforms. Oh, no. <laughs> so that kind of gets me nervous. But anyway, like, going back to this topic, uh, I think that failure is a necessary part of, you know, success. And this right. is this isn't even something profound. It's something like that actually sounds obvious, right? Yeah. I'm going to use an example of how we can, like, sort of guide ourselves to not uh, be afraid of failure. Yeah. So... It's, it's like a very, you know, simple, ordinary example. But when you're talking about, like, writing essays, how you personally feel like if you want to write something, you have to make sure every sentence is perfect. Right. To get it, Like, you want to make sure that everything that gets out of your head sounds perfect on paper. And I, you know, the same thing happens with me. And I think a lot of people, you know, have the same experience. Yeah. There's an app, actually. There's a writing app. What it does is it doesn't let you see what you're writing, but it records what you write. Oh, my God. So you can use it as a way to, like, mentally you know block the whole yeah. aspect of fear right yeah. and just write out what you're trying to write i don't remember the name of it i just remember watching a video that was talking about it yeah and uh i'm, I'm using this example as uh, as a way to bring me to, to this point which is um finding ways to block out this sort of faith this uh fear of failure yeah from what you're doing right yeah so for example uh this podcast could be an example one way yeah. that you can, you know, block that fear of failure is that knowing that nobody's going to listen to this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, you sometimes you have to come in with that expectation yeah. in some sense. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but you know, that what's that thing? Like, oh, prepare for the, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Except here, it's not even just preparing for the worst. It's literally like expecting or accepting or like being okay with, uh, with, the, with the hope that eventually something will turn out well or, you know, like you, you don't want to like perpetually fail or you don't want to do stuff that's really low quality, but like accepting that you're going to fail a few times before you succeed right right because, because otherwise you just won't start at all or you won't try at all right also going back to your thing about blocking the failure like one example that i have which is i guess a bit more relevant to me like as a math student or whatever is like the difference between paper and chalkboard mm. because with paper you feel like once you've written something down even if it's well certainly if it's with pen but even with pencil it's like it feels like you can't take it back and okay if it's with pen it's there if it's a pencil, you could erase it and reuse that paper, but you're not going to. There's that step of erasing it, yeah. right? That and makes it seem like it's something permanent. Yeah, and even if you erase it, it's like, oh no, the paper's been spoiled now and stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm much more hesitant to write something on paper, like like a math idea or something, for fear that, oh, like, this formula's going to be wrong, and then I'm going to feel stupid or something, and like, I wasted paper, I wasted like a <laughs> fraction of a cent on <laughs> writing this I wasted so a fraction of a tree on this. Yeah, and then like, on the other hand, if I have a chalkboard, I'll like draw stupid pictures on the board and erase them and draw them again. I don't care, you know? It's like, there's that feeling that it's so impermanent, right? Where you, you have to, you shouldn't start with the assumption that what you write is permanent by default and that you have to erase it, but where it's impermanent by default and it only becomes permanent if you wanted to you know so having that space where you can just experiment freely you know not mm -hmm. be afraid to write nonsense and then just saying oh if i find a gem in the rough then i'll like capture it and like put it down is it right? a gem in the rough or a diamond in i don't know diamond in the rough, diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah if i find a diamond in the rough then i'll then i'll jot that down right but i think just having that kind of feeling right because yeah. no one is watching everything you do i'm like no one is like watching all your failures and saying, ha, you failed that time, you failed 10 times. Nobody even cares about, um, I feel like we, we sort of amplify how many times we, we, we fail. Yeah. And we think that everybody's looking at our failures. 
Right. I feel like most of the people don't even like care because everybody else is thinking about their own failures. Exactly. Right? It's one of those things, right? And yeah, it's it's we we are our own like worst critics, yeah. something like that. Or like we, it's like we make a, <laughs> it's almost like I'll make a caricature of someone else in my head and think, like I have like a mental version of that friend or that whoever in my head. And then I'm thinking, oh, what would that person think if they saw me failing at this right now? They'd be like, oh, you suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, that's it's all in my head. I can just. But that doesn't wipe exist. It out. Yeah, it doesn't right? even exist. We just like created it, and it's well, it's dumb. And like, I feel like there also needs to be kind of a cultural shift. I don't know if this starts like stringing on to another topic, but like, it's fine. It's fine, honestly. Yeah. This, I, this is pretty on. This is all unscripted. Yeah. Obviously. Um. But yeah, just go on. About like. How we view things like, well, yeah, failure, frankly, not just when it's really like, you know, impermanent or experimental or just in someone's house alone, but also when it's like, you know, like you apply to some program and you don't get in or you, you do bad on a test, you get a bad grade in a course. Mm -hmm. That's a bit more permanent, but it's like, and like, why should we judge people for that? And why do we? Yeah. So actually one person that would talk a lot about this was uh, one of my professors last year, last semester. Yeah. When I was taking a psychology course. And she would talk a lot about this. There's, uh, in the West, in yeah. the Western culture, there's this whole, there's a lot of this idea of like, you know, th- there's this fear of failure ingrained into the culture. Yeah. Which is that you should, you must always, you know, try to get the best. Not just try, you have to get the best. Otherwise, if you mess up, you know, you're gone. You're, you're gone already. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she said that when she taught like, uh, uh, students in like eastern cultures yeah i'm not talking about like you know uh i'm talking about more of like i guess you know like the far east like yeah, you yeah. Know, japan you know china yeah all those you know eastern eastern countries um they don't have this idea of uh they don't have this the same kind of fear of failure okay they actually see failure as a step to in like the, the, the right direction really right because it guides you toward the right uh you know the correct thing yeah right so and it's it's weird because um she said that when she was teaching these students who were, who like came from like this eastern background yeah the, the class average was like in the nineties for that class right like they're all doing very which good which is insane when you, when you think about it here because yeah the class averages here are always like you know float around like seventies or like yeah, around that number right yeah and at the same time paradoxically this culture has a fear of failure right right and yet it's failing compared to exactly. The other. Okay, I I never heard of that thing before actually. If if like before you said that, I would have said something like, and that was based on a personal experience, right? Not just something she heard. It's something yeah, that, that was she based herself. on her personal experience. So you heard it, but she's she was the first source. Exactly. It wasn't like it was just some rumor, some vague idea that was transmitted through a bunch of people, right? Because if I'm thinking of something like that, like what I've the only thing I feel like I ever hear about like let's say like East Asian culture is like oh, you know like you better not fail and you better succeed and like, oh, are you a doctor yet? And, you know, stuff like that, right? That's kind of like the stereotype we have of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a difference between like East Asians and East Asia and East Asians here. I don't know. But yeah, like the point is, okay, that that's kind of like, you know, enlightening or like, <laughs> frankly, like yeah, and it's, things it's, up in uh, some way. And what happened was that was actually one of my favorite courses. She, she obviously focused on, she, you know, there's like the evaluative part of the course. Yeah. But, she really like let us free to like actually learn the the topics that we had to learn in right. the course without fearing that oh you know I have to get through all these topics so that I can get like a ten in this course right yeah. uh, and it was actually one of like it was up there with the courses that I did the best on 
Yeah. And it's still like, it's probably my favorite course that I've taken. Right. It's a, uh, it's a psychology course, child development psychology. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like this was very enlightening to me too. Cause just like you said, yeah, I had the same sort of, um, thought the same sort of, uh, idea that Eastern cultures yeah. have the same kind of fear of failure, if right. not even, even a greater more, right? yeah. sense of like a fear of failure. Yeah. But there's probably variance within, you know, like the, the subcontinent. Right. Right. And probably like in our cultures, there's still that fear of failure. Yeah. And publicly hiding your failures, you know, things yeah, like yeah. that. But she's talking from personal experience. Right. Right. And she's like talking about students from like, you know, South Korean backgrounds. I think she said South Korean students. Okay. But the point is like the far Eastern cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, hmm. so they, so you're saying they don't have fear of failure when it comes to, or that much when it comes to things like, let's say they're doing a course or something. Or learning stuff for the first time, right? Learning stuff for the first time. Obviously, yeah. if you're like in a final exam, right? You yeah. can have that fear of failure, right? right. You, yeah, you, yeah, you have to do well in that. But yeah. like when you're learning something for the first time, they don't have the same fear of not getting it right the first time. Yeah. And I think, okay, maybe their fear of failure is more along the lines of like, uh, let's say like, like, you know, in their future, like when they're actually like grown up and like have their own lives and jobs and kids and all that or whatever, right? And like not being a failure then, if that makes sense, or like you know, kind of conforming to what their culture or society wants mm-hmm. for them in some sense. It's like not doing some, uh, <laughs> let's say, like weird career or something that's like I don't know, you know what I mean, like something not respectable or whatever. So, well, I'm I'm obviously neither of us are experts on this, but maybe for them it's less about like the just the first time you like learn something mm-hmm. and more about like in the long run what happens. So I think yeah, I think they have a broader sense like, of fear. I feel like they'll still have a general expectation, for example, like, oh, you have to have a good profession when you grow up, yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. But it's not like, oh, you did that one course and you didn't do as well as you wanted. You suck or something, right? Yeah. And I think that obviously some fear of failure is good. This, this is debatable about like what should be feared and what we should be like open to and stuff. But like, I think that kind of a, a fear of failure in terms of the long run is much more beneficial than a fear of failure in the like extreme short run. You know what I mean? Like, I see what you mean. Yeah. Because fear of like, okay, failure in the short run will happen at some point. And when it does happen, you don't want to like, you know, shatter because of it or break down or say, oh no, I'm defeated and stuff. Because then you're, 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 you're definitely going to fail in the long run. You have to accept it. You have to look at it as in something that you learn from. And you have to like, like, you know, there's going to be, you, you really have to ask yourself, like, you know, like it's, it's, it's always a good opportunity to reflect because, hold on. My brother's sipping his tea. You're really thirsty when I talk for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, so I was saying like, you have to like, you know how we were talking about things that when they're going well, you don't, this, this almost goes back to like near the beginning of the episode. Like, yeah, there's things which when they're working well, you don't notice them. You only notice things when they stop working the way they're expected. Right. So even in our personal lives, when things are going well, like when we have an expectation for ourselves and when we meet that expectation, we just move on. Like maybe we celebrate a little bit and we go, hey, good. I met my expectation. And then we move on. Because it, it becomes like the norm for you, right? It becomes yeah. a new baseline for you. And then when we fail, that's when we stop. And think, okay, what went wrong? And I think it's good to stop, but not stop and like beat yourself up over it, but stop and say, okay, so what was my expectation? Why didn't I meet it? And then, you know, like really analyze it and understand it. And yeah, it's like you shouldn't beat yourself up over every small failure. Right. Right. Because that's not a predictor of how you're going to do in like the longer run. Yeah. Right. 
if you have bad study habits, then yeah, you know, if it's like something that's recurring, of course, you should probably like reconsider right. why, why you're not doing well consistently. Yeah. Right. But if it's like a minor slip up, you really shouldn't be worried. Right. And a good way to illustrate this is uh, in, in like the, inv- the investment realm. Yeah. In the investment world. Um, if you're sort of like an amateur investor. Right. Like somebody, like a novice in it. Yeah. Uh, this is actually I don't remember who was talking about it, but I was I was at some class once, and there and uh, the instructor was talking about it. If you if you, when you're like a novice investor, uh, when when you see like th- that graph go down, yeah, and like this, <laughs> to the stock that you invest, oh, the stocks you know, are crashing and yeah. Stuff, so yeah. if you see like the the, the stock market, the stock the stocks that you invested in going down or like having a downward trend, you're obviously gonna go into a state of panic. Like, okay. You know, I have to get rid of these stocks because it's going to keep on going down and it's going to cross the point like it's going to, you know, turn into like a liability for me. Whereas uh, more seasoned investors, they see this as, you know, like a small bump that's like always going to happen. And what they do is they look at the broader picture, the, the broader form of that graph, which is that the company is probably rising up in stocks. So this this example sort of illustrates how you shouldn't really focus too much on focus focus yeah <laughs> yeah you shouldn't really focus too much on every minor slip up right you should look at the broader trajectory of where you're headed and what's sort of the uh what's uh what's the pattern that you're seeing in the longer run yeah yeah and i think one good thing i like about that example is that the people who are investing in the stocks don't have any control over the stocks themselves exactly right which is which brings me to another thing, like going back to failure, is that, yeah, when you inspect, like, oh, why you failed at something, sometimes part of the sometimes the main reason is because you yourself, like, okay, didn't put enough effort or you know something on your part, but sometimes it's also also things that are like partly out of your control or like you know maybe a mixture of them. So then, if it is something out of your control, then you have to realize, like, I'm talking about like you know like something was unlucky or something, you know, you think back like, oh, why didn't I do good in that course? And then you remember, oh, at that point in that semester, I was really busy with this other thing and screw things up and maybe maybe like you forget that like after it's done but then when you look back on it you're like oh yeah there are these other like things in the way and then you realize that like that those uncontrollable things maybe they happen a little bit sometimes but they're not the norm and so sometimes things are going to trip you up sometimes you're going to fail it's not always because of something that you did wrong so like expect that uh failure in some sense and you know sometimes you adjust your behavior and sometimes you say you did everything right, things just didn't work out well, and you move on. And yeah, like that's the only thing you can do and that you should do, yeah. right? So I think a main takeaway from this smaller topic is that we should, uh, like is the difference between short-term trajectories, your, your yeah. own short-term trajectory and the longer-term trajectory in your life. Right. And what I personally have found myself doing a lot uh, until now when I thought about it yeah, uh, is that I thought a lot in the short term. Yes. And I would look at every minor slip up and right. see it as like, you know, a a a a downhill force, you know, like, you know, interest panic state like, oh, I have to, you know, I have to fix this, I have to rectify this this traject this downward trajectory that I'm in. Yeah. Right? Uh before it's too late. And uh, while that's while there are certain times where that's important, like if you see a consistent uh downward sort of trajectory uh if if it's something that's like if it's a small occurrence a one-off occurrence you you really shouldn't be worried um and you should really think more about your longer term like how your life has you know fanned like how it's sort of mapped been mapped out so far in the longer term so 
and this sort of uh, relates to you know being more like grateful and stuff you know for what you have uh you know like I, i'm under a roof right now you know i have a roof above me i have i'm in a first world country you know um i'm i'm in university you know like i have i have the potential to do i have the potential for more growth right right and that's important uh so really just thinking uh at a more uh in a more broad sense right. on focusing yourself from yeah. the more minor parts of 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 uh, like every daily occurrence right uh is important to to lead to like further growth you know as yeah. a person i think that's another reason it's good to be like well rounded or balanced in some sense in your life because that way it's like even if one thing isn't um going too well or like as you expected you can always look at the other aspect of your life that are going better or like something to fall back on if that make, makes sense right, right right and even just things like like you said like oh like you're let's say like <laughs> if you're living in a house in a first world country you know just like what you have like if you're not in financial difficulty if you are then then i'm sorry but if you if you're not right then like the things that you have right and being like kind of grateful for them and thinking like okay the world is not ending for me i still have like i'm in a pretty good situation actually and like, i'm pretty well off compared yeah. to like 80 percent of the world right now exactly and like being able to like use that as launching pad to say well then i just have to live up to that and you know not like if, if you if you use your time and just sulk and say like oh i'm not doing as well as i want to i'm failing and stuff then Imagine how other people would view you. Like you have all these opportunities at your hand, and you let one failure just like trip you up and stop you from doing yeah. what you could do. Yeah. It's not that people expect you to succeed in everything. It's that people expect you to kind of like fail and then fail and then succeed and then in the long term, like like you know do something, uh, like accomplish something. Not the not every day, but in like this year, what have you done? you know that kind of thing in your lifetime mm-hmm. what have you done right they don't care if you oh every day you like uh succeeded in exactly what you wanted to do for that day but in the long term you haven't really accomplished anything they'd rather see someone who like had their bad days or weeks or whatever but in the long term like you you feel like you've done something it's, a, it's with your life story exactly and i think being grateful for where you at actually catalyzes or like you know pushes you to use what you have yes as uh, and, and like put it to use instead of like just having it there and saying oh i don't have this i don't have that right yeah being grateful for what you have puts it into perspective and you realize like w- at the advantage that you're at right right compared to like a lot of the world yeah and that helps you use that that advantage that you've been gifted right that right. you've been granted in a way that can not only let you like build yourself up but like build others up with you right okay so let's bring this back to where it started you know with hobbies interests things like that and since you're talking about gratefulness i feel like the way i think of that as applying to some of these things is like one particular thing to be grateful for is just the time that you have and stuff and that means one realizing that other people really don't have that time other people are really so busy that they can't spare any time for this kind of stuff and they they'd love an opportunity to but they can't so you have to kind of think about them and say well they don't have that time they wish they did and then if they if they looked at me this is one of those cases where maybe it is good to have someone in your mind looking down at you okay but like having imagining them like what would they would say if they saw you wasting your time not failing but not doing anything at all that is really good i think because that kind of motivates you to feel like well i have this time that i could be using towards what i want to do why don't i what's stopping me from doing it in the in the short term yeah it's like a fear of failure like oh and you know you convince yourself that you're busy with something else but then once you're like 
once you think over a longer time span, let's say you finish the year and you look back, you're like, oh, how many of my New Year's resolutions have I actually accomplished? Or those things that I wanted to do that I thought I would do a year ago or like a few months ago, like what happened to them and why? And you realize you kind of just blew it off, right? So you have to really seize that in some way and, you know, like take advantage of the things that, that we don't think about enough, just the time that we have. And like, there's obviously other things that you should be grateful for, you know, like having the money to buy the equipment for podcasts, something that people don't have that, right? So, you know, it's like a really like seize the day kind of thing, seize the whatever you have and just put it to good use. So going back to what were some of the other stuff we talked about? It's been long. Well, I can't even I can't even remember off the top of my head. But I was going to add on to what you said, which is, you know, like valuing your time and your the like the opportunity you have. Yeah. To you know pursue your own interests and pursue like uh you know try to make something of yourself in a sense. Right. Um, our parents, for example, we're we're kind of like first gen first generation uh you know we're, we're like the first generation uh you know to break off from from like the eastern uh yes. from where we came from basically yeah. right so like for the past thousands of years right yeah i, I assume hundreds of th- hundreds or thousands of years everybody all of our ancestors lived in the same general area yeah and they had the same kind of culture right yes that was consistent throughout uh you know like the lineage yeah but we're like basically the first break yeah. In that long chain, right? I feel like I told you this and then you like forgot yeah, that I told you. I, I forgot to say I'm yeah, I was fine. about that's to say him right now. <laughs> I'm right here, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, but yeah, like when you said that that actually really struck out to me. Uh but I want to bring I want to relate it to this topic of, you know, taking this opportunity you have because our parents our parents brought us basically here, right? Yeah. And the reasons were like, you know, a better education, you know, a better, you know, sort of opportunity to do stuff. Yeah. And a better, I guess, overall life, right? Right. So knowing that, knowing that our parents didn't have the same opportunity that we have. Yeah. And uh, knowing that they sort of sacrificed to give us this opportunity. Right. It gives us almost like an obligation yes. to to use what we have. Yeah. To pursue the interests that we have and to actually, you know, make something of ourselves and, you know, of our immediate sort of, you know, community or family or whatever. Yeah, right? exactly. And like, you know, if you start thinking about the future a little bit too, it's like, so us, we can look at our parents or grandparents and look at what they accomplished. And even if, well, even if we don't think much of it, we can still say like, oh, it's because they didn't have the same opportunities that we did. Right. There's mm-hmm. that sort of excuse. But then for us, we don't have that excuse. And then when, like after, like, let's say <laughs> thinking of our own kids or grandkids, when they look back at us, they're going to look at us as a role model or like a prototype the way they won't look at our parents or our grandparents because we're going to be we're that first break in that long lineage right mm-hmm. like we're the first like canadian or western or whatever right um kids or not kids but whatever people right in that in that big family tree so they're not going to look at my parents or my grandparents and say oh what were they doing they're going to look at me and say what was i doing what was uh, the first ancestor that we had who moved to this place what did they do with their lives yeah. They're going to look at that as an inspiration. Did they watch YouTube videos or did they make a podcast? Yeah, exactly. And if they <laughs> if they see someone who is, well, like the same as their own parents, like if, if we, let's say, like do, like reach the same level as their own parents, right? Mm-hmm. Then they're going to say, oh, moving didn't really make a difference. And then they're not going to have that expectation for themselves. Uh, you know? Yeah. You know, they're going to say like, oh, no matter where you are, no matter what opportunities you have, it's okay if you do like 
uh, you reach a certain yeah. level in life. All right, no, no disrespect to our parents or grandparents or anything like that. Obviously, like, uh, like let's say, like my parents, for example, I respect a lot. Like, like you said, like the sacrifices they made, the stuff they made. But frankly, exactly. yeah. But like, frankly, their opportunities were less than ours in some sense. And, and whatever opportunities they had, they sort of sacrificed it. Yeah. For a greater opportunity for like their children, basically. Exactly. So we we have to like show that not just for our parents' sake, but for our like children's grandchildren's sake, so that they see us and they see, oh, that was the moment when things really like changed in our family in some sense, mm-hmm. right? and then they'll see us as that prototypical like model that they have to follow, right? <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I, I like that example. When we're going about it, and this is definitely something I've said to my dad. I think before I said like, um. Because let's say let's say he has expectations for me. Let's say every parent has expectations for their kids, right? But like if if let's say let's say if your parents' expectations for you are about the same as what they expected for themselves, then I think you should exceed those expectations. Like being truly like grateful and like uh, like taking advantage of the opportunity you've given doesn't just mean doing what the person who gave you the opportunity wanted you to do, but going beyond that, mm-hmm. going as far as you can and showing you thought. I could only do this much with the opportunity you gave me, but actually I've been able to do this much and this much more. Exactly. And then there'll be that much more like, you know, like uh, how, what's the right word for it? Like uh, impressed, not impressed, uh, that, that much more pleased with you. Yeah. I think pleased is like the word I want to use, right? Like just think of if you <laughs> put yourself in their shoes for a sec, imagine that you're the one who moved and then your kids grow up in this country with a lot more opportunities, whatever. Right. And then they, either they do, as good as you did or they do or they like i don't know let's just blow it off the top they win a Nobel prize or something you're like holy we had this in ourselves all along we just yeah, <laughs> able yeah. To, like, <laughs> you know like something like that like just it's really yeah it's really inspiring like in a sense that you know if you have the right conditions for yourself yeah you can really make you can really do like almost anything you want right and that sounds cheesy but you know it's really true because there are certain limitations within like you know different cultures and countries and stuff right but when you enter a new sort of area where you have this whole other realm of opportunities yeah um i think almost everybody uh you know i'm sort of generalizing here but everybody in a sense has like some sort of space to grow in grow in right yes so given that we have that space yeah i think uh we should really like strive strive to pursue and like you know, occupy that space. I'm talking very visually here, hey, but yeah, no, you know I what just, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like actually like reach reach your full potential. Mm-hmm. Like even if that's cheesy, you know? And another thing I want to mention, I guess this goes back to the failure kind of thing, is none of this like obviously we're saying like that we have like more opportunity and that we should be grateful for it, take advantage of it. None of this is to say that it'll be easy to do the things that you want to set out to do. They'll be hard. If you have high standards or high ambitions for yourself, then it'll be hard to accomplish those, even as much, like, no matter how much opportunity you have, right? Unless you're, like, a prodigy or something. But I'm talking about, like, the usual case, right? And that difficulty is not an excuse. It's, in fact, it's something that you should you should overcome and then kind of look back on yourself and be proud of yourself for having overcome it, you know? Like, would you, would you rather... Um, like I said, this goes back to failure. Like, would you rather come up in the face of something and say, it's going to be difficult, I'm going to fail, I'm going to, or it's going to, even if, it, if, even if I don't fail, it's going to take a lot of my time or money or whatever, you know, something like that. And then you back off from the challenge and then you just content yourself by saying, oh, it's okay, it probably wasn't worth it or it was whatever, right? Versus if you actually 
uh, take on that challenge. I'm not saying like an unrealistic challenge, obviously, but like take on that challenge, like do your best on it, succeed, and then say, I slayed that beat, you know? Just think of how that feels. Yeah, and it, I, like a good example to illustrate this is being born into like a family that's already like really well off, you know, like yeah. given all the opportunities that you've ever asked for versus growing up with certain limitations and finding ways to overcome those limitations. Yeah. Like the sort of the bar is a lot higher with uh, with somebody who had those limitations. And because the bar is so much higher when you overcome that bar, yeah. they have that, that block that you have. Yeah. You feel like you really accomplished something more. You, yeah, You have that exactly. kind of satisfaction. Exactly. Right. And that's like, and it's it's really one of those things which you can only feel in the long term. Because in the short term, um, in the short term, when you're working on something, you only think of the progress you're making and like, oh, am I making enough progress? Am I failing or whatever, right? You don't, in the short term, you don't accomplish what you want to accomplish. In the long term, once you've actually accomplished it and you look back, then you can kind of like, you can look back on the process in like a more rational way or like in a more like cool headed way, you know, and say, yeah, I had difficulty during that time, but in the end, it produced this like great result at the end. And then it's sort of like you appreciate the result even more. Exactly. Somehow those difficulties become a good thing. They make your accomplishment deeper, right? It's not like a shallow thing. Exactly. Anymore. And that fits well into like uh, when you talked about short-term versus long-term yeah, exactly. trajectories, right? Like, um, and like having this sort of room for like this opportunity for growth yeah, puts you into the mindset, like into the longer-term mindset. Yeah. And uh, not like killing yourself over like shorter term failures yeah but having like the larger game in mind and i think like like the more you do that the more you the more comfortable you'll be with actually taking on challenges and the more like the more confidence you'll have in some sense in general like you know like if i can go back to like that research thing remember we talked about my research for a while yeah yeah so going back to that for example right like now i feel like i'm stumbling the whole way through and i am like i'm making progress on it yeah and like i have the end goal in sight kind of but it's like oh, it turned out to be a lot more work and a lot uglier, frankly, like the yeah. writing up part than I thought it would be. But I feel like once I'm done with it, like this is like my first time ever trying to like write a paper or something, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once I'm done with it, if I have something public, you know, if I have something that goes to conference, something like that, and then like think of what it'll be like the second time that I'm trying this. I'll be like, oh, I'm having difficulties. Well, I did the first time too, but then I'll look at the end result and I'll be like, well, you know, like it, the, the end makes up for... This is like an end justifies the, the means end, kind of exactly. Yeah. The end is worth the amount of effort. That like you put once in. you get that reward at the end, you forget all the difficulties yeah. that were along the way, or like it, it feels like it was worth it, or it feels like it, it, yeah, it makes it all the more valuable. Yeah, and it, it like it should really motivate you later on. I haven't reached that stage yet, but hopefully, I, hopefully, I will. Yeah, uh, this episode actually got really long. Yeah, I think. <laughs> um, so let's actually start like wrapping it up a bit. Sure. Okay. Um, so let's let's sort of track back to, you know, like briefly summarize what we talked about. So oh. we first, uh, you know, uh, you know, like not talking about the like we talked about, you know, uh, the you know sort of like the prologue to our own conversation, which yeah. was uh, what was that? What was it? Oh yeah, it was like it was like uh, cinema and like how manufactured stuff. Oh yeah, are. that was completely different from what we're talking about right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but after that, we we started talking about hobbies. Yeah, and why it's important to pursue like these interests that you have yeah like and we also we also talked about how we realized we we uh sort of let go of some of these interests and hobbies that we had yeah and looking back at it we realized that this was actually a major loss right, right? even though it's something small your hobbies actually make up who you are in yes. the longer term right it gives you like 
an extra drive yeah to to achieve more in your in your main uh, in your main journey or like yeah so to speak, exactly right yeah um and i want to add on to this like during the time okay but we sort of moved on to the topic but i'll right. just mention it here sure when you look at a lot of the i guess successful people yeah you know and uh maybe i think a lot of like nobel prize winners and people who like actually people who you know brought a lot to i guess the world yeah uh they had they have multiple passions right right they never had one particular you know specialized interest and that's all they did yeah they never did that they had many things that they liked many things that they pursued in parallel to one another yeah right um i guess a modern example is elon musk right yeah he he sort of you know he lives in the the tech realm right but he has like many interests within it right yeah, yeah. there's aviation there's you know uh there's the uh, you know electric cars all that, that sort yeah. of stuff but the point is he has many uh sort of parallel interests that he works on yeah right not just one thing exactly so we should i think we should get rid of this idea that we can only um uh, sort of we can only put our head to one thing at a time yeah, yeah right yeah. uh that's that's like that's completely false right? right what we should do is we should really try to do as much as we can yeah provided that it's something that interests us right don't do things that you know you have no interest in and you're just doing it for the sake of like as a means to an end yeah but if it's if there are things that you like and you want to pursue them yeah don't wait until you finish one to get to the next one right just do them like do as many as you can in parallel do them in parallel yeah exactly because like for one thing um those people who accomplished a lot even if you look at hobbies that had nothing to do with what they accomplished they probably still had hobbies like that right but the point is like it's not like it ate their time and it prevents <laughs> you from procrastinating because yeah, if yeah, you exactly. if you're procrastinating on one certain thing you yeah. know you have this other interest that you can yeah. work on so mm. you're never really procrastinating if you think about it you're always right. doing something that you like something that's actually that has some value to it yeah obviously you need to meet some deadlines and stuff but apart from that it's like you're just switching between things that are all like building you in some way right exactly not things that are just wasting your time okay and then moving on did we start talking about when did we start talking about the failure thing fear of failure i feel like when i mentioned my research stuff did um, we talked about hobbies obviously which is what we talked about right now yeah i think we moved yeah i think we moved uh, to failures right after that yeah yeah you asked me about my research and stuff i talked about it for a bit and then at some point i brought up that one thing that like slows me down a lot with not just that but a lot of things is this fear of not getting things right the first time or like you fail it the first time you'll do it or maybe even the first few times you'll do it and then you just wait until you think you can succeed on one goal but sometimes that never comes or sometimes it like takes too long right and how you should like you should well there's a few aspects right one is like sometimes taking measures to kind of let yourself be free blocking off like the sight of those failures in some sense mm-hmm. like you mentioned that app where you I type mentioned that and, app <laughs> and you don't see what yeah. you're typing i mentioned like how blackboards are nice because you there's a feeling of imperman- impermanence. You just write whatever you want, then you erase it, and it's as if you never wrote it in the first place. Exactly. Sometimes you need that feeling, you know, because it's not like your failures will stick around forever and haunt you. It's not like anyone else is seeing them. Like, I'm talking about minor setbacks. They're just things that you have to, kind of have to encounter along the way to succeeding at what you're trying to do. Yeah, and then we talked about um, the difference, like, the, the different, uh, the difference uh, across sort of, like, different regions of the world. Yeah. In terms of how we perceive failure, which is, uh, you know, in the West, failure is sort of seen like, you know, as almost like an end. Yeah. You know, if you fail in something, then um, you're almost doomed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the game over. That's sort of an exaggerated, you know, uh, explanation. Yeah. But that is, in some sense, in a lot of sort of spheres, that is how it is. Right? Yeah. Uh, whereas in 
more Eastern cultures or like the Far East when I mentioned uh, what my professor was talking about in yeah. that class, they actually don't like they actually don't see failure in the short term as failure, you know, like with a capital F, right? Yes. Um, and then that sort of transition into talking about short term failures versus long term failures. Yeah. Right? So you can provide us a sort of brief explanation about that. And yeah, what I was mentioning about that failure thing was like I was surprised when I heard about that East Asian thing about oh, them not having that same fear of failure. And then I mentioned that I think one fear of failure they might still have, which is kind of like a constructive kind, is like fear fear of failure in the long term. That you won't in the long term you won't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish when you're younger. Things like that, right? Or won't live up to the standards that you set for yourself. And it's like that that kind is healthy to have because you do want to you do want the long term to end up good. But the unhealthy kind is the kind that we have here sometimes where we're like, oh, if I do bad in one course, then that ruins everything mm-hmm. or something. So really just backing away from that kind of fear because it's not going to help you. And just each time that you have a, a minor setback or failure, looking at it as a learning opportunity. And, you know, maybe you realize, oh, there's something about your behavior that you have to change. Or maybe even like, I, I just want to mention this brief point again. Like sometimes you realize that it really wasn't your fault, like with the stocks or something that you mentioned, right? Stock markets. We're like, oh, it's going down. It's not, it's out of your control, but it's going to happen sometimes. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be accepting of that. That kind of stuff is not an excuse for, oh, this thing failed one time. It's going to fail every time I try it because that's just probably not true. Right. Right. And being able to like move on from that. Did we start talking about time after that? Like great. I think at some point, oh no, before that we, well, before even this whole failure topic, Oh, okay. I'll just briefly mention, which was yeah. uh, when I mentioned that work expands to no, is it work expands to fill in the time that you that you've given it, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, how I guess this was this related more to the topic we just talked about before failure. Okay. Uh, but I just want to briefly mention it because yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it's important to like this, you know, put this topic set in, like set it into stone, right? Right. Um, the amount of work, the amount of time you give to a certain obligation, yeah, is the amount is of time it's gonna spend. take. Right. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. So that's why really like you should not uh you should break up your day right in yeah. a balanced in a balanced manner, give yeah. the adequate time to each thing, but don't make one thing take over your life, right? Yeah. Because we have like it's really like our our mental sort of image of our time is re- is really skewed when you think about oh, yeah. it, right? Definitely. Because we think that university as full time students, you know, taking five courses per per yeah. semester. We have no time to do anything else. Right. But then you see people who actually do so much with their time and you wonder, oh, why do they, you know, why do they do so much? Or how do they do so much in the same amount of time, the same amount of hours that, you know, that they have, right. that we have, you know, like in our day, we have 24 hours, they have 24 hours, right? Yeah. Um, how do they do all that? Well, the thing is they have the same number of hours in the day. They just make sure to divide their day up properly. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the other thing is, uh, the other reason why they have they can do so much is because they don't have this short term fear of failure. Right. Yes. They have they probably have a longer term fear of failure, but they don't let this failure block themselves. Uh, like act as a barrier for them to pursue their interests. They see failure as a means to like as a way as a necessary step in reaching that goal that they have. Yeah, it's almost like if you want to avoid long term failure. Then you have to have some short-term failure. Exactly. And if you're if you're not if you're not failing at anything, you're not doing enough. Frankly, right? yeah. Like yeah. no one. That's is... actually really almost like a profound statement. What you think about yeah, it? Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure I've heard things like that before. It's something it's been said idea. before, but yeah, you know, even though it might be cliche, when you really think about it, it's actually 
the one's really true. Yeah. Like, you know, people talk about things like, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, if you don't try, you won't be able to succeed. I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying don't even see failure as a bad thing in the short term. See it as a learning step and seeing it, see it as a sign, actually, that you are... Like as a kind of currency of, you know, to see how much you're actually doing. Right? Yes, because if you're only succeeding, it means you're only doing a few things. You're not doing as much as you could have. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone, someone who has one failure versus someone who has like eight successes and two failures or something like that, who's better? Exactly. The one with the second one, because, oh, they might have failed twice, but it's not the ratio that matters. It's the quantity of, uh, of, of the successes that you have. Right, right, right. That's really what, if you've only done one thing in your life and you did it really well, but that's it. And the rest of your time, you like, I don't know, like did whatever. Versus you did a bunch of things. You feel that some of them are like you, you didn't do as well in some of them as you wanted to, for example, maybe. But the other things you, you did really well, that means you've really like used your time properly, I think. People aren't going to judge you for those, when they look back on you, for those like minor failures they had. They're going to judge you for how much of your time did you actually use properly and well that's what they should judge you for frankly and how much did you actually accomplish not how much did you accomplish relative to how much you set out to accomplish but just how much did you actually accomplish Mm -hmm. you know like uh you don't have to be a you know that jack of all trades master of one i feel like you can either be like a master of one trade or you can be like a master of several trades and a jack of several trades if that makes (laughs) sense (laughs) and i think the second one is yeah exactly uh, what did we talk about after the sorrow we trajectory thing? Start talking about gratefulness, especially gratefulness for time. Yeah, you might have mentioned some other ones. Just yeah, like more it's general. Like sense a, this of is a very crude overview, so we're probably we're probably missing a lot. But uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, mainly we we ended up talking about making use of the opportunities that you have. Yeah, and uh, well, before that, we talked about gratefulness, right? Being yeah. grateful for what you have, and then that sort of segued into uh talking about you know given that. You have all the stuff that you're grateful for. You have to use yeah, it, yeah. you know, to make something out of it. And one specific point we mentioned that applied to us especially was like, as like second generation immigrants, right? About like how we're the first break in this long line of going back like hundreds or thousands of years of people all having like one kind of lifestyle more or less then shifting to us. And suddenly we're presented with so much more opportunity and that we have to set an example by like using that to its full extent, right? By showing I was given this opportunity and I was able to do this much more with it than what my parents or my grandparents or going all the way back could ever have done, right? And setting that example for like everyone in the future, in your generations and like everyone else, frankly. But yeah, like really you said something about like expanding to fill the space that you've been given, I think. Yeah, expanding to occupy yeah. the opportunities that you've given, that yeah. you've been yeah. granted. Yeah, exactly. And like you said the, you don't let someone else set the bar for you and just meet that bar. You set the bar for yourself and set it as high as you think you can set it and reach that, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I think one of the last things I mentioned was like difficulty is not an excuse for not doing something. It's actually something which kind of goes back with failure. But uh, I, I feel like I have to mention that quote by JFK, which I love, the one where he said, do you know what you're talking about? No. About no. difficulty. Okay. Oh, this will be good. I think I feel like it's better if the other person doesn't know <laughs> the quote. Um, he said it was about like the moon mission. You know, the yeah, Apollo yeah. moon mission and stuff. Yeah, he says something like, we do this not because it's easy, but because it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I've that, heard that this. one quote I've heard is this. so... That, that can never be cheesy. That, that is can so never profound. be cheesy, to be like, honest. Yeah. It just... that Hearing that one quote from a person tells you so much about just their outlook on life. and Right? Like, that can define a person all. And yeah, I feel like that's one of the last things I was speaking about. Like Exactly. That's a good way to end it, too, to be honest. Yeah. You know, because uh, like your own interests could be things that are difficult, right? Yeah. Um, 
not to say that making a podcast was difficult but it certainly had the sort of activation barrier yeah the sort of barrier that we had to like this threshold we had to you know yeah unexpected over. challenges came all that and we weren't we didn't even like uh expect all these challenges to come right yeah, yeah. there's something we talk we're talking about since november and i was assuming uh that we'd have our first episode out before like the final exams yeah, yeah. for our first semester <laughs> yeah and now we're like mid-january yeah or like mid to late january and now like we're recording our first episode yeah but and yet that makes me feel like when I look back on it, it's gonna feel a lot better in some sense. Because you learn something, because you learn like so much peripheral knowledge, right? Yeah. About something just you had this one point that you wanted to reach, but then going getting there, yeah. You learned you like sort of picked up on so many other things. Yeah. Actually one that of the, provide value to you. That was one of the first things you talked about, right? Like the yeah. peripheral knowledge and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you learn things that are kind of like off the beaten trail, off off of like things that aren't just Oh, what you learn in school or you like know, off like the academic. radar and stuff. Yeah. Like and I said they're not soft skills. I think they're they're like non academic skills and they're very useful and like yeah, it's it's like an opportunity to kind of grow in that sense, right? Exactly. To make yourself a bit more well rounded. Yeah. Yeah. In total, um pursue your interests. This sounds super cheesy, but don't don't uh put put aside your own interests and your own hobbies just because you have one overarching uh obligation or, you know, aspect of your life that you have to like tend to yeah right uh because for the like the reasons being that these interests will actually make you who you are yes like school can only do much do so much for you yeah as a person but it's all this these things that you have these interests that you have that you want to pursue yeah that make you who you are in the longer run yes and, and are- uh yeah and you sh- you really shouldn't wait until you finish one thing to get to the next yeah. you should do them all in parallel as much as you can yeah, and it's okay to fear long-term failure, but don't obsess over short-term failure. That's a necessary learning step. Like, Take advantage of that, and that's really how you succeed in the long term. Take advantage of your time properly. Like, I feel like that's... <laughs> this like... is like proper parent advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's important to note, like, before we end this, that we're in no way, like, authorities on this, on these topics, yeah, yeah. right? We're just, like, two, we're two undergrad students just, like, trying to figure out our way... Our way. <laughs> You know, just yes. like exploring sort of like exploring on a deeper, on a more deeper level, these sort of surface thoughts that we have. Right. Because it's sort of something that we've been doing all along on our own and probably a lot of other people do too, frankly. And it's just like, it's nice to have a conversation about it and put it out in the open, you know, so that it can like inspire some other people to think about this kind of stuff. I too. think next time I want to talk about putting yourself out there. Putting yourself out there. Yeah. That's interesting. That'd, that'd be sort of like, as opposed to things that like we know a lot about so far, it'd be sort of new. For me, it'd, it'd be, be something, for you, it'd be new. For me, it'd like also my, be new, but. Like, this is my first time putting myself out there in yeah. any way, I feel like. Yeah. For you, I guess like, okay, have your Instagram Not, account. Okay, <laughs> uh, nobody looks at my Instagram. Okay, so for you, for you, it's also sort of like that, right? Yeah. But yeah, that sounds like a pretty good topic. I, I feel like just through the course of this podcast, like we mentioned so many things which could become a topic on their own just like to talk later about. episodes and stuff that we can like delve deeper into yeah like even like fear of failure we could well okay we talked about it a lot but whatever or things like um even like really brief okay even like really brief things that we mentioned like uh you know like judging people for failure oh i keep talking about failure <laughs> sorry bro has a lot to say about failure <laughs> okay speaking of failure we don't want to fail with our time constraints on this first episode <laughs> so yeah but i think uh, yeah so like and later, I think I really want to start talking. I want to talk at some point about this whole putting yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's like a really, that's a topic that really pertains to this time. 
right. you know, like with the advent of, you know, social media and all that sort of oh, stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be cool to talk about. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I guess we hope uh, whoever's listening to this, uh, you know, later on or right now or, you know, whenever, sort of learn something or, you know, I hope there's some value added. Yeah. And uh, feel free to, I should, I should have said, we should have said this at the beginning, but feel free to skip parts if, if they get a bit boring and dry. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to listen to the whole thing. Right. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. So we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, until next time, what, what do we say then? Uh, I guess we'll just say, yeah. what should we say? I guess we'll just say, you know, like until next episode. <laughs> just until next. Yeah. Time. Until That's next it. episode. Until next time. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. That was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. Now, my only concern now is that the audio will be like, <laughs> I don't care. We're putting the description up in its full, like, unfiltered glory. And obviously, we'll edit it.